Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Crypto.com, Bitstamp, and Nexo.io, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Monday, September 7th, Labor Day, but also my birthday. And every year, I think because back to school coincided with my birthday, I kind of feel like this is New Year's to me, much more so than January 1st in the middle of winter. Because of that, I've always gotten really reflective around the beginning of September and thought about what the future, what the next year might hold. I think when we look back at this year that we've seen going back to September of this time last year, one of the big trends is going to be a change in and a sea change in, really, our expectations about where the United States fits in the world, and specifically where the U.S. dollar fits in the world. That conversation has gotten louder and louder and more and more important. It is inextricably linked to monetary policy, be it Fed intervention in markets or fiscal stimulus, and it certainly is something that has a role in people's day-to-day lives, even who live far away, as they try to decide whether they're going to keep their wealth in local fiat regimes or try to get into U.S. dollars. Part of what has made the conversation so much more dynamic this year is not just that policy side of things, although that's certainly a big part of it, but also a new mechanism in the form of USD stablecoins for people to opt out of their local monetary regimes and into a different version. Because it's a holiday, I needed to record an episode in advance because I hate skipping episodes as a whole. And so I decided that since I've gotten really great feedback on the Long Read Sunday article reading episodes, that I would do another one for you. And luckily, last Thursday, Nick Carter stormed in with the perfect thing to have as the topic. So this is going to be a reading of Nick's most recent essay called The Crypto Dollar Surge and the American Opportunity. Stablecoins are a hot commodity. Over 16 billion of them circulate in the wild today, up from 4.8 billion to start the year. Mostly, these are issued outside of the U.S., and so are largely unaccountable to financial regulators. If they keep growing, U.S. policymakers, in particularly those in the state of New York, will have to stomach the loss of their dominance over dollar clearing. But because stablecoins represent a powerful neutral financial instrument, the U.S. should welcome their ascendance regardless. It's no secret that banking is highly politicized, often in informal or hard-to-apprehend ways. The overt politicization of the New York-based corresponding banking system represents a tax on all users. Embedded in each transaction is a slight risk of censorship. Dependence on the system means submitting oneself to an American aegis. The harder it is to extract yourself, the more you are subject to the demands of the administrator. Banks and payment processors have also become more politicized, as they have begun to de-risk, read, de-platform, individuals and industry sectors with whom they disagree politically, or where they considered implied compliance costs too significant to be worth the hassle. In February, I wrote that U.S. regulators should embrace the potential of stablecoins as continued instruments of dollar dominance. I stress the potential welfare benefits of allowing savers in countries with inflationary regimes to engage with currency substitution without relying on the banking sector. 
Since February, the outstanding supply of stablecoins has grown from around $5.5 billion to $16 billion, and their daily settled value has grown from $1 billion daily to $4 billion daily. This phenomenon is no longer localized to the crypto industry. It has begun to cause geopolitical reverberations. First, stablecoins makes for an excellent tool to avoid capital controls and oppressive monetary regimes. Chainalysis has reported that Tether is extremely popular in China, even recently exceeding Bitcoin's usage in the region. It's important to understand that the popularity of stablecoins or crypto dollars is not solely due to their digital nature, but because of the transactional freedom they offer to users. China's financial system is highly digitized already. Crypto dollars like Tether offer a fundamentally different value proposition from Alipay or the state digital currency DCEP because they are bearer assets not subject to the same level of surveillance or transactional restrictions. Their digital nature isn't what sets them apart. It's the fact that you can permissionlessly accept or send any quantity of crypto dollars with nothing more than a smartphone and trade it on a vast network of exchanges and brokers worldwide. What's going on, guys? I'm excited to share that one of this month's breakdown sponsors is Crypto.com. Crypto.com offers one of the most cost-efficient ways to purchase crypto out there, as they've just waived the 3.5% credit card fee for all crypto purchases. What's more, with Crypto.com's MCO Visa card, you can get up to 10% back on things like food and grocery shopping. When you buy gift cards with the Crypto.com app, you can get up to 20% back. Download the Crypto.com app today and enjoy these offers until the end of September. Bitstamp is the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors. Trusted by over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions. Bitstamp is built on professional-grade trading technology. Their platform is powered by a NASDAQ matching engine, and their APIs are recognized as the best in the industry. Download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to learn more and start trading today. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. In this crisis, many investors aim to keep and grow their digital assets. Others seek to maximize the yield on their cash. Nexo allows you to achieve exactly these two goals. The company offers instant crypto credit lines against all major cryptocurrencies, with interest rates starting from only 5.9% APR. Nexo also lets you earn up to 10% annually on your fiat and digital assets. What's more, interest is paid out daily, and you can add or withdraw funds at any time. Get started at nexo.io. Today, crypto dollarization is in full swing in places like Venezuela. Recently, Venezuelan president-in-exile Juan Guaido has begun promoting the usage of AirTM, a crypto-focused remittance company to send U.S. dollars seized from the Maduro regime by the U.S. Treasury to healthcare workers in Venezuela. Startups like Value are offering users digital access to the USD thanks to established crypto financial infrastructure like local bitcoins. Crypto dollars make sense because U.S. banks do not service Venezuelan users, even if regular Venezuelans are not formally sanctioned. Crypto dollarization works because stablecoins are, for the most part, unencumbered by the shackles of the U.S. banking system. The largest issuer, Tether, relies on a network of offshore banks and remains frustratingly outside the purview of the New York regulator, the Department of Financial Services, despite a long campaign to bring Tether to heel. Stablecoin issuers treat the IOUs as bearer instruments and generally do not seek to police user behavior when a transaction does not involve the issuer. Users only need a relationship with the issuer if they are redeeming or creating stablecoins with bank dollars. By granting a measure of transactional privacy and not embedding political conditions into transactions, 
Stablecoins are the closest thing to digital cash we have today. Notably, it is the private sector, not the state, that has delivered on this promise of digitally native cash. Now, U.S. policymakers reading this might feel a profound sense of unease. New York is the center of the dollar universe. SWIFT, which the U.S. effectively controls, is unambiguously an instrument of power projection abroad. And the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation and the Department of Justice have a habit of expressing political prescriptions through informal bank guidance and veiled threats. Touch a dollar anywhere, even in a transaction where neither counterparty is American, and you're obliged to Uncle Sam. But these tools are wearing blunt with overuse. The more the U.S. threatens sanctions, the greater the incentive for its peers, allies included, to seek out alternatives. The more risk-averse and puritanical banks become, the stronger the tailwinds for non-bank alternatives. The more dissidents are deplatformed from U.S. payment processors, the better neutral alternatives start to look. Perhaps catalyzed by the growth of stablecoins, or more likely by the announcement of Facebook's Libra or China's DCEP, various branches of the Federal Reserve are now industriously pursuing a, quote, digital dollar. But would such a project, regardless of its final form, grant transactions the autonomy they deserve? Would a digital cash system produced by the Fed consist of an instant-settling private bearer asset, as is the case with physical cash? Would an American central bank digital currency be able to credibly guarantee that its rich database wouldn't be plundered in real time by Homeland Security, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or the Federal Bureau of Investigation, as Larry White has wondered? Today, the U.S. is still the center of gravity as far as Bitcoin and the crypto dollar ecosystem are concerned. This is a significant advantage that should not be squandered. Policymakers should be thanking their lucky stars that a putative successor to the U.S. financial infrastructure is a largely American phenomenon. The U.S. can continue to muddle down an increasingly exclusionary path and punish subscribers to its financial infrastructure by burdening them with political dictates, or it can embrace a neutral alternative. Self-disruption would be a significant bullet to bite, but it suits the U.S., Values like liberty, privacy, free enterprise, and personal autonomy are embedded into our constitution and social fabric. One can hardly think of a better nation to underwrite a shift to a truly neutral payments and settlement infrastructure. While dollar infrastructure is likely to remain dominant far longer than some critics allege, it's undeniable that banking and messaging have been deputized into carrying out the political objectives of their administrators. As relations with U.S. allies sour and China grows its sphere of influence in Asia, viable alternatives will be created. And if the DCEP is any guide, these alternatives will not encode strong privacy protections for end users. The U.S. is clearly suited to be the steward of politically neutral payments technology, if our leaders can rise to the challenge. If the U.S. chooses to marginalize crypto dollars and punish their issuers, not only will they suppress a burgeoning American industry, they will also push users into even less accountable alternatives. While most stablecoins are backed by dollars and bank accounts, and are hence somewhat subject to governance, a subset are issued natively against crypto collateral like Ether. These projects are more automated and lack the vectors of control and the linkages to the banking system that characterize convertible stablecoins. While still small, crypto-backed stablecoins like DAI, current supply of 455 million, take a more crypto-anarchist approach, and are harder to surveil or influence. More draconian regulation of crypto dollars would not eliminate the category. Instead, it would push users into these more slippery alternatives. The architects of these public digital dollar solutions should take a leaf from the private sector's book. Users simply crave the qualities of cash, this time in a digital context. Far from being a dangerous techno-utopian fantasy, a genuine cash standard on the internet is simply a restoration of what was once ubiquitous and normal, 
transactional privacy, and autonomy. These qualities are not for criminals, but for everyone. And if policymakers dig in their heels, the private sector will only push back harder by providing the service that users demand, but this time outside policymakers' sphere of influence. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. And hey, if you want to get me a birthday present, go rate or review this show on iTunes. It makes a huge difference, and we are on a roll. And I want to be able to keep bringing you this excellent and uh, hopefully helpful content. Anyways, cheers, everyone. Hope you're having a great holiday weekend. And till tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.